Episode 51, The Dark Goddess Persephone. Imagine receiving an invitation to travel to the ancient Greek underworld. Yes, I'm referring to the land of the dead, the realm of Hades and darkness. Why would you go? How could you accept? The Greeks were so terrified of the place that they hardly dared to say its name. But you're different. You're modern. You know better. Half of that stuff is mythology, right? Besides, how bad can it be? After all, you received an invitation, not a command. And the invitation is to meet with the goddess who rules there. The ancient Greeks rarely said her name. They simply called her the goddess. Everyone knew who she was. If you were Greek, you knew that she was the wife of the mighty Hades. It was said that she saw into the past and looked into the future. She was a childhood friend of Hakati, the goddess of dark places that included caves and crossroads and the underworld. Yes, Hakate was an immortal who was also a witch. Like modern witches, she practiced magic with herbs, spells, and danced in circles under the moon. But Hakate wasn't the goddess who lives in the underworld. The one who does is far more powerful and famous. The goddess to whom I'm referring greeted Heracles when he descended into the darkness to fight Cerebus, the three-headed dog. She welcomed all the dead, one by one, as they crossed the river Styx in the company of Sharon, the boatman. Her mother was Demeter. You remember Demeter. We dedicated the entirety of episode 23 to that goddess. Nevertheless, now you must deal with the invitation you've received to the underworld. You surprise yourself and accept. After all, here's a chance to meet the most mysterious of the ancient divinities. Although the Greeks hesitated to say her name, I will. By now you must have guessed. She was the immortal queen of the underworld, the lovely Persephone. This is episode 51 of Garner's Greek Mythology. We have listeners from 170 countries, so welcome to everyone wherever you are. I'm your host, mythologist Patrick Garner. To keep these podcasts free from commercial sponsors, I invite you to buy my four novels about Greek gods in the modern world. You don't think their stories stopped 2,400 years ago, do you? My books are standalone novels or can be read as a series called The Naxos Quartet. For more information, go to my website at patrickgarnerbooks.com, where you can also link to Amazon. Persephone. There's far more to her story than 
simply the legend of a beautiful goddess who married Hades. Do you remember how she ended up in the underworld? It was an infamous tale. She was snatched by Hades one afternoon while picking flowers. He swept into the meadow on his black chariot and carried her away. She fought against him, but to no avail. All her mother Demeter knew was that she had disappeared. Her mother's despair was so great that she threatened to destroy all the crops on earth. The gods begged her to relent, but she spurned their pleas. Zeus feared that humankind might die if their crops were destroyed, and if that occurred, there'd be no one to offer sacrifice to the gods. But then a breakthrough occurred. Hakate, the goddess of sorcery who had the power to move between Earth and the underworld, reached out to Demeter, hushing the hellhounds at her heels. She said, a nymph who guards a sacred pool saw Lord Hades suddenly descend into the waters with his chariot. She also saw a young woman in the chariot struggling with him and screaming, no. Then the chariot sank below the waters and into Hades' realm. Demeter was silent, tears streaming down her face. Finally, she said, so she was taken by my brother. Akate said, there's more that you should know. Lord Zeus was overheard promising Hades that Persephone would soon be his. The two of them were said to be laughing and scheming. Hades said that he'd had his eye on the girl for months. Demeter said, he has no right. Be returned. Akate nodded. Hermes and I can travel there. I'll recruit him to help. But I'll need Zeus's blessings. Akate continued, or all of this will backfire. How will we get him to retract his promises to Hades? Demeter whispered, Oh, he'll cooperate. He needs mortals. If I wipe out the crops, there'll be no one left to bow and scrape to any of us. In the meantime, Hades had crowned Persephone queen of the underworld. But Persephone was far from happy. She longed for sunshine and her mother. Then in a wondrous flash, Hermes and Hecate appeared before her as she sat with her husband in their dark palace. It had taken little to persuade Zeus that she should be returned. He told the two to fetch the girl, and the sooner the better. They descended in Hermes' golden chariot and sped into the gloom where they confronted Hades. When he heard the command to return his wife, he was furious. Not one to show his cards, though. He hid his reaction. Wishing his new queen the best, he took her hand and said, Here is some food if you get hungry on your trip. He slipped a few pomegranate seeds into her palm. Hecate took Persephone by the elbow and 
guided her into the chariot. Hermes cracked his whip, and the three began their ascent. Not knowing that Hades had set a trap, Persephone casually chewed on the seeds, thinking that, perhaps, all in all, her glowering husband was not so bad. When they broke into the sun, they saw Demeter, who awaited their return. She let out a cry of delight upon seeing the chariot. Inside was her daughter. Demeter danced in joy, waving her arms. Suddenly, trees leafed out, and nearby fields became flush with tall barley and wheat. Apple trees miraculously hung heavy with fruit. Turning to Persephone, Demeter asked, Are you hungry after the trip? Her daughter shook her head, saying, No, mother. Lord Hades gave me food. See? She opened her palm to show Demeter the remaining seeds. Her mother stepped back in shock, saying, Do you not know that if you've eaten in the underworlds, you can never leave it completely? Persephone was fated to return to Hades to spend a part of each year below the earth. Knowing that she'd been bettered, she decided to make the best of it and accept her fate. In time, she became a creature of the underworld to the complete surprise of the other gods. And with Hades' concurrence, she grew in power, embracing her role as queen of the dead. Hakate, to no one's surprise, became a regular guest in that gloom. The two spent hours speaking of life and death and immortality. Hermes, a, a messenger of the gods, frequented the underworld far less than Hakate. He was a creature of Helios, reveling in the sun's rays. Persephone's realm was the antithesis of the bright Mediterranean. The simplest of her duties was counting the dead and exchanging brief words with Sharon, the old boatman. But she gained an unexpected ability to penetrate the dark matter of the universe. In time, she became the repository of the deepest wisdom known to the gods. No other divinity could compete with her bright sagacity. On occasion, Persephone would extend invitations to philosophers, poets, and magicians who lived above ground. She would summon them to learn about the mysteries and wisdom of the universe. Once they were before her, she would speak to them in the musical language of the cosmos, and remarkably, they understood she knew what modern astronomers have confirmed. The stars and planets make music that is pure and direct, and unlike human language, has no bias. For Persephone, there was no clearer way to communicate. She alone could interpret the mysteries, and unlike the sorceress Hecate, she was willing to share these rare insights into magic. Now let's pause a moment. 
I use the word magic. Today it conveys images of women in long robes of crystals and candles being burnt under a full moon. Magic to the ancient Greeks was something else. What do I mean? It was a tool used by physicians such as Apollo's son Asclepius. Magic was what happened when a poet was visited by one of the muses. It was what happened when a mortal dreamed of flying, of visiting the stars. No one thought it strange. The Greeks acknowledged that, at times, those around them were tapped to look into the riddles of life. Those who were chosen by the goddess to see into these mysteries were considered lucky, even blessed. But as the centuries passed, those magical connections between the goddess and mortals became increasingly rare. Why? A rupture occurred because of Socrates. Rather than accepting the gods as gods, the philosopher began to question all beliefs. Socrates' students became cynics, skeptics, and rationalists. His method of questioning gave rise to men such as Plato and Aristotle. His students scoffed at all mysteries. They demanded that knowledge be cerebral, analytical, and transparent. Persephone's dark knowledge and cosmic mysteries were not compatible with the cool rationality that mortals discovered around 450 B.C. From what we can glean today, Sometime in the 5th century B.C., she stopped dispensing invitations. In response to Plato's endless skepticism, the goddess's willingness to share her insights ended. For the philosophers who preceded Socrates, she was real. They knew her as the first of the deities, the keeper of all that was solemn and holy. They were open to the music of the moon, to cosmic harmonies, and to the nurturing goddess of the underworld. She was the door through which they might pass into understanding. And without hesitation, she closed that door to those who questioned her existence. The pre-Socratic philosophers, those she favored who lived before Socrates, are Pythagoras, Empedocles, Parmenides, and Zeno. All four men actually laid the groundwork for Western thought, which is ironic because we think of philosophy as logical, but instead their base was mystical. One way they found insight was by practicing a form of meditation that was common to the time. It was called incubation. To meditate, they would lie in caves, sometimes for days, in a state somewhere between consciousness and sleep. And during the periods that they were suspended in this strange incubation, 
They found themselves capable of moving through time and space, of piercing the underworld. Why would they want access to the underworld? For one reason only. They believed that to become enlightened, to gain ultimate knowledge, one had to be willing to face death prematurely. That is, one had to be willing to die in order to live fully. There was only one guide to lead a human through that paradox. Without her help, any mortal venturing there would be lost. To go without her guidance would be foolhardy. That guide, of course, was Persephone. Imagine being willing to die before dying. We can hardly conceive of the possibility. Yet these early thinkers knew better. They also understood that dying is symbolic, a mere metaphor for traveling to the underworld to see both sides of life. By using incubation, they could do so. There, kneeling before the goddess, they would receive insights and understanding. Of course, none of this was rational. It required trust, a certain conviction. Today we might say it required faith. Regardless, magic, as the goddess revealed it, withered before cold rationalists like Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle. In fact, Plato went out of his way to throw cold water on these views. In his dialogue called Parmenides, he reinvented the philosopher, turning him from a sorcerer into a rationalist like himself. You could say that after Plato was through with him, Parmenides went from being a magician to a logician. The other pre-Socratic philosophers were also mischaracterized or simply dismissed by Plato. And as Plato's generation of philosophers began to exert influence across Greece, and as intellectuals began to mock the gods, Persephone severed her relationship with mortals. Her invitations to acquire knowledge ended. No more could humans lie in meditation, in incubation, and find themselves transported to the underworld. Humans had begun to look at themselves as self-sufficient, no longer in need of gods. Persephone knew better. Today she's still worshipped, though those who know of her are called Wiccan, neo-pagans, or simply witches. They call upon the goddess for inspiration and healing, and appeal to Persephone and Akate through rituals. They intuitively recognize the goddess as a divinity who still reveals her mysteries. She does so differently today than she did thousands of years ago, yet she still unveils the wholeness of life to those who call her name. Many of the core rituals practiced by today's witches include a ceremonial death 
which is followed by a ritual rebirth. Like the pre-Socratics, they believe that one has to symbolically die in order to be reborn with a deeper understanding. They draw down the moon, create sacred spaces, rely on the old magic, and call upon the wisdom of Persephone. Join me for a future episode of Garner's Greek Mythology. We'll dig deeper into Persephone's wisdom. And visit patrickgarnerbooks.com. The website is all about this podcast and about my novels. The books are available on Amazon. Their theme is that the Greek gods never left. As I always say, they're here now. By the way, if you have youngsters in your life, there's a new children's book you have to get. It's called Read Aloud Stories for Young Listeners by D.K. Garner. There are no Greek gods, but animals, always part of Greek life, play an important role in these charming stories. They talk with the children at the moment a little help is needed. Everyone can enjoy the stories of You Turn the Crow, Eli the dog, Winky the horse, and Not George the bunny, and Rudy the rooster. Visit PatrickGarnerBooks.com for more information and thanks for listening. This is your host, Patrick Garner. <laughs>